You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. We've been starting a not so new series, it's Five Lines, part two, revealing your faith in the everyday. Part of the reason is this, is that we are continuing to see friends and visitors into this place um, discover what authentic Christianity is all about. People are making decisions to follow Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but most Christians, I would hope, love to see that sort of stuff happening. We want to see people energized in their faith. We want to see our family members and our friends and our co-workers come to a life-giving realization of what it means to follow Jesus, right? We want that. Uh, we want to we reap a harvest, we said last week. Jesus says, look up, the harvest field is ripe. And so we want to reap a harvest, but on the other hand, we don't know how to sow. So if you want to reap, you need to know how to sow. And so we've been talking about what it means to uh, sow spiritual seeds. That's what we looked at last week. What it means to be a firefly with a familiar transparency. It means just don't sneeze church when you go to work or uni or the mum's group tomorrow. Don't sneeze it. Don't say, I went to church on the weekend. That's what sneezing church is. Just be open, familiarly transparent in your faith. Now, if you do that, what might start to happen, I warn you, spiritual conversations with people, and they're probably going to start like this, and it's always going to be this first question. It's the one question we're going to look at tonight. Then when you start having a spiritual conversation with people and sowing these seeds, they're going to say this. Well, how do I know that God exists? Oh, isn't that an exciting question? You know, most, most of us, when we do that, uh, it, it can freak us out a little bit. But look, there's no point sharing your faith if you can't talk about whether God exists or not. So... Here's the question. How do you go about answering that question without getting into a shouting match that's like this? Well, God exists. No, he doesn't. Well, God exists. No, he doesn't. God exists. No, he doesn't. How do, how do you answer that question without getting into a shouting match? And look, the whole point of being a firefly, we said last week, is just don't hide your faith. That's the first thing. But when it comes to this topic, I don't know about you, but I, I find the biggest challenge in trying to answer this question uh, is that we get into it and we, we get confused and scared by the intellectual nature of it all we're a bit like a computer when you pull the plug out of the wall you know we just sort of go Whoa. we just sort of we we would retreat and we we will and we don't have the conversation anymore and so i was thinking well uh, okay the message is called be clear on the content <clears throat> maybe the issue is we've all just got to know what the content of the gospel is maybe that's what it is right and then as i was processing it all i'm thinking man nah like if if we do that, then we run the risk of doing the very thing that we talked about last week, and that is we become obnoxious and divisive and almost pushy in our faith because we've learned the content of the gospel and we go out with our little pre-learnt message and I'm going to try it on my friend this week and we give it to him. And that gets you nowhere, right? Here's the thing. Here's what I was thinking. What if instead of rote learning a gospel presentation, we just learnt tonight four key questions that you could sow into a conversation like that in order to keep it open, right? You reckon you could do that? Just, just four questions? Four questions that you could sow. So when someone says, how do I know God exists? Instead of just giving it to them, you sow a question. Uh, here's, here's what they are, and these come up all the time. Uh, you might need to write them down, by the way, because... Uh, 
pretty heavy. I know we're always writing stuff down here. Look at all the notebooks there. Yeah, I see that notebook. I see that notebook. I see that notebook. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, <laughs> here are the questions. Here are the questions. Um, uh, what if you could know God? What if you do know God? What if you only think that you know God? And what if you would like to truly know God? They're the questions that we're going to look at. And you'll actually see too, you've got to use them depending on where the person you're speaking to sits on that spiritual spectrum. Here's the first question that you could ask them and so in. The first question is simply, when someone says, oh look, I, I'm, how do I know God exists? That's often, that's often the argument that people have, right? How do I know, if I can't feel him, if I can't touch him, if I can't see him around him, how do I know that God exists? And so your first question is, well, what if you could know that God exists? Now, this is what Paul gets at at verse 19 through to 20. It doesn't feel like that in such theological rich writings here. But he says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without an excuse. Now, here's what he's saying. It's so applicable, it's almost obvious. Paul asks the same question through this passage that you could ask people around you. And it goes like this. You'd say to them, hey, look, if there is no God, hey, why do you yearn for love? Hey, if there is no God, why do you get uh, so angered about injustice? Hey, if there's no God, why do you get so overawed at the sight of the Grand Canyon or a beautiful vista? Hey, if there's no God, why, do you, why is there nothing better than just lying on the beach and seeing the billions of stars in a place in which there's no light pollution and you just get a sense of your smallness? Anyone ever felt like that? What is that about? If there is no God, what is all of that about? Now, what Paul is saying, all of these things, the stars, the Grand Canyon, love, the complexity of life, the scope of the universe, all of these things are clues to God. Notice how he's not arguing that they're proofs of God. He's just saying they're clues to God. Now, I, I, I put it this way. When I was at, at boarding school, I, I was going through a really tough time. I was so homesick. I only lived 20 minutes away, but I was so homesick. and <laughs> um, I was just there all the time. And, and one, one day I, I went back into my dorm room and I was feeling really down. And then something happened. I could smell it. I could smell his aftershave. And in an instant, I went, Dad's been here. And, and it... Uh, it, it have you ever felt like that? You know, where there's a loved one or someone that you've missed or a perfume of a favorite place and it just changes you? You see, in that, in that moment, someone asked me, oh, look, you know, can you prove, can you prove that your dad was here? No, I, I, I can't prove, but I know, I know, I know. I know, I sense every part of my faculties. Just smelling this tells me he was here. I, and, and in fact, it's so real to me, I can almost feel his presence. It's as if he's in the room with me. Now, the stars love the complexity of the universe. What are these things, says Paul? He says, it's God's aftershave. No, we can't touch him. We can't feel him. We can't necessarily see him. 
But anyone who has come to know him as their father knows that is as real as as real can be. These things don't, look, they don't prove the existence of God in the universe by themselves. But, but here's the thing, they betray your hunger for something other, if you felt that way. You know it, you sense it, don't you? There's got to be something other. And so this is how I often approach this question with people. Someone says, how do I know that God exists? And I say to them simply, dear friend, the mere fact that you and I are talking about God right now, do you think that could be a clue to his existence? Why are we thinking to think about God? That's what C.S. Lewis said. He says, consequently, atheism turns out to be too simple. If the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if, if there was no light in the universe, and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. So you can see the this fact that you're here. Maybe you're searching for God tonight. You've got to ask yourself the question, why am I even thinking to think about God? It's not proof, but it's one heck of a clue. So the first question that you can ask people in order to just slow them down so they don't shut down is to say, well, the fact that we're thinking about this, talking about this, what if that's a clue that he really exists? Because if the universe was dark, then... We would never know the difference between darkness and life. Here's the second question that you could ask them. Well, uh, what if you already know God? And that's a pretty audacious question to ask someone who is right at you about, tell me about God's existence. Yeah, what if you already know God? Here's what I mean. Have you ever noticed the way that uh, people who say that they're not of the faith are in times of crisis? What's often their first reaction? They see something horrible. They see something terrible. What's the first phrase out of their mouth? Oh my God. Uh, I remember the Lint Cafe siege clearly on the television. And there's Koshi, who is sarcastic at best about religious matters when you see him on sunrise, saying to people, yeah, our thoughts and our prayers are with the loved ones of the family. Why, why so religious, Koshi? Why so transcendent, Koshi? I'll give you a more specific example. A group called the Barna Group, they're a research group, wrote an article that was called How America's Faith Has Changed Since 9-11, back in November of 2001. And in it, they said from their research that it appears that attendance nationwide increased by almost 25% the weekend after the September 11 attacks. Within a matter of months... Attendances had returned back to normal. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Uh, Paul speaks into it. It's so relevant. He, he says here that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Down in verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God. Here's what he's saying. He's saying at some level... At some level, everyone suppresses the truth about God. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message says, uh, they shroud the truth. They try and hide the truth. And here's the deeper point when I looked at what the word suppress means. You don't suppress something unless you already have it. Just ask uh, any bloke who's got 
like myself, a stomach that's a little bit bigger than average, every time they walk past a girl when they're single, they go, <gasps> yep, yep. <laughs> now, what are they doing? They're, they're suppressing their stomach. Now, <laughs> you don't suppress something that you don't already have, okay? <laughs> now, I've got to get more serious. This is the most theologically lofty book, and I'm talking about sucking in your stomach. Um, it's good, it's good. Amen, amen. Um, what, what Paul is saying is that fundamentally, all of us, Christians and non-Christians, uh, we know God, but we don't really know God. That uh, God is always bearing down upon us constantly, and it means that there's a part of your heart that doesn't believe that God is there, but then there's also a part of your heart that is sensitive to the reality that he is bearing down upon you. That's what happens in that moment. That's what's happening to Koshi. That there's, there's, a part of, there's a part of your heart that pops out in a crisis. Things that are suppressed pop out when you least expect them. And when you see people in a time of crisis praying to God, Oh my God, thinking of things that are otherworldly. I hope all of the big lofty statements, then you start to see that they've been suppressing that all along. Now when you put the glasses on with this perspective, it's amazing how much this matches up with how the world operates today, right? Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Look at the lyrics here of uh, Frau Frau from their song Holding Out from a Hero. Frau Frau. They're a really hip band, apparently, according to my little brother. I only listened to anything from 1981 to 1989, maybe a bit of the 90s. But Frau Frau say this, Up where the mountains meet the heavens above, out where the lightning splits the sea, I would swear that there's someone somewhere watching me through the wind and the chill and the rain. And the storm and the flood, I can feel his approach like fire in my blood. What is that? That's something suppressed popping out. Have you ever noticed that even non-Christian songs talk about such lofty things? Why does Bruno Mars feel like he's been locked out of heaven? For crying out loud. <laughs> has anyone answered that? Yeah. Something, something's making him feel like it's paradise, apparently. And uh, why is it like, why don't we just, why didn't Bruno write a song about cornflakes or about ants? Why didn't you use, why, why the loftiness? Why the weightiness? Why the transcendentness? Why the otherworldliness? Because Paul says so applicably that at every level we try and push the reality of God deep in our hearts down. We suppress the truth about him. We push it down. And so... The seed you could sow to a friend could go a bit like this. Hey, mate, hun, have you ever considered that if there is no God, then why? You know, look at the songs, look at Bruno Mars. Look at, why, why do people of non-faith talk about such godly things? Remember, we're just sowing seeds. These are not answers. I'm just trying to keep the conversation open here. Why? Oh, what do you see? What do you see happening around you? Well, have you ever noticed that? If... if why do we talk about such lofty things? You know, C.S. Lewis again, I've got to use him, he's a great example. He says, if I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy, then I can only conclude that I'm not meant for here. <laughs> and so what is, what is this otherworldliness, this sense that we already have? Could it be that you already know God? You already sense him? You already feel him pressing in? But you suppress him. Now, 
Why do people suppress God? That's the next question. And notice here too, uh, could it be that you could know God? There's a clue there. Could it be that you already know God? Now, the next question you could say is, hey, what if you only think that you know God? Now, you've got to understand as, as you move down these conversations, each of these different questions represent a, a different level of people's spiritual sensitivity, right? The person who's still arguing about the existence, they're not going to respond to this question down here. So you've got to imagine we're, we're going deeper and deeper into the things of the faith. But if someone is at that point where they can sort of sense God, they can smell his aftershave, if they can come down here and get a sense that they're suppressing him, then this is the question that you could ask that person. And this is what this person looks like here. This is the co-worker. That they're actually not antagonistic. They're not like the person on the first question. They're not trying to beat you up. In fact, they're really quite sympathetic. They're the sort of person that talks like this. Oh, you know what, Sam? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, yeah, I really believe in God. Yeah, I, well, yeah, God, you know, like a higher life force or something. You know, I, I believe in love. I believe in a higher power. It's all good. Or it's a friend that says, you know, the friend has never come to church in their life or had any spiritual conversation with you, but they say, I'm praying for you. You know, it's that friend. Now, I think that's a really good start. I want to be... That's sarcastic, but I think it's a great start. But verse 21 speaks into their condition. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him. What does it mean? What it means is that people like that, they're not treating God as wonderfully and as beautifully magnificent as He is. They think they know God, but you don't know God when you're talking like that. That the Paul is saying it's possible to smell his aftershave. It's possible to be stirred by the sensitivity of his realities. The Grand Canyon, the stars, the creation. It's still possible to have all of those things and yet you're still flirting with him. Here's what I mean by flirting with God. You're flirting with God. People like that are flirting with God. You know, they're the person that says, Oh, well, yeah, I believe in a life force and a higher power. That's flirting. I'll show you how. Look. You and I got friends and family who would talk like this. They would say this, look, I'm, I'm more than happy to recognize that there's some form of higher power, but I'm, not just, I'm just not into that God of Christianity stuff. In fact, I'm not into that Jesus and his personal commitment stuff. I like the higher power, but I'm not into Je the whole Jesus commitment thing. That's not me. That, look, that's flirting. That's flirting. I had a friend in... Canada, we were talking over Skype, and she just moved over there, and, and she said, oh, Sam, the people are so friendly over here. They're just so friendly in Canada. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like the other night, you know, I was at a bar, and I met a guy, and he said that I could stay with him for like an, a week, or maybe even two, or as long as I would like, and he was such a sweetie. And I'm thinking, two righties are sweetie. <laughs> I'm a guy. I know how guys operate. You know, you see, because... Not all guys, just... You see, look, we all know, don't we girls? They're a, they're a dodgy guy. <laughs> we'll pray for you after the service, Andy. It's all good. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there, there, there are good guys and then there are dodgy guys. We call them players, don't we? Yep. Um, there are good guys and there are dodgy guys. 
And so, you know, you would, that's what you would say to my friend. What are you doing? Look, there are, of course he's saying that. There are lots of nice guys out there, but there are lots of dodgy guys out there. Now, look, here's the thing. When you flirt with God, when you flirt even deeper than that with the life forces, you know, there are lots of life forces out there. There are lots of spiritualities out there, frankly. But you're going to have good spiritualities and you're going to have dodgy spiritualities. And the key question is, when you're flirting with these things, is how do, you, how do you know which spirituality, which life force has got your back? That is, has, has got your interest at heart, that is, is good for you? How do you know that it's a good spirituality or it's not something dodgy? Uh, that's a first, I sow that seed. I'm not going to answer that right now. But because I want to get to this, let me go deeper. What is flirting really? Flirting is... Flirting is, is to want uh, the thrill of the relationship without the commitment. To want the affirmation, the excitement, the elevated heartbeat, but without any commitment. Now, is it me or can people treat God exactly the same way? They flirt with him. I want all the good stuff. I want the fun. I want the excitement. But they don't want the commitment. You see, when a person says, oh, yeah, I believe in a higher power, God, a love, but I'm not into this committing to Jesus stuff. Question, who's still in control of the relationship? They are. Not God. They, they say, I want to court you, God, but it's going to be on my terms. And you know what? I can back out of this gig at any point in time. Don't, don't call me. I'll call you. That's what flirting with God is. And look, it's so incongruent with the message of the Bible. Because last week we said the message of Christianity, the gospel is this, that you are in more trouble than you dared believe. And you are more loved at the same time than you dare imagine. That the gospel is this, that God in the person of Jesus Christ has come in to rescue us, says Paul in Romans chapter 1, from all of, all of the... The lifestyle and the way of living that was not to deal with him. All of the self-destruction that was happening, Paul says in Romans 1. God has come in in Jesus Christ and come to lead us out of that. He's come in. He's, the gospel is that at one point or another, before you became a Christian, any of us who are Christians recognize that all we were doing was rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic that was our lives. We were sinking. And God sends his son into this to to rescue us both spiritually and practically and lead us into new lives. As he says, come follow me. Lead us into new lives of beauty and wonder and rightness. That's the gospel. Now, question, is that the sort of person you just flirt with? No, that's the sort of person say, Lord, you know, I, I, if, the, if that is you, if you are the God of the universe, if you hold that whole universe that I'm in awe of, if you are the one that got all of those stars that I'm staring up at at night wrapped around your little pinky, and you came in to be that personally involved with me, you'd be like, thank you. You're incredible. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I owe it to you. And what, what is that? That's honoring. That's glorifying. That is thanking him for who he is. You know, a, a great preacher from the old, old days said, look, un until I realize how much it cost him to do that, I'll never know whether to shake his hand or kiss his feet. So the great challenge for anyone that is flirting with God is then um, they're not seeing who he really is. And so that could be the simple question. This will get people talking. You could just ask someone if they're in that zone, they like the higher power. You could just say to them, hey, are you flirting with God? 
you're flirting with God, that's going to keep the conversation open. Reckon you could do that? You, you, you reckon you could do that? This is sounding easy enough. Remember last week we were saying that being a firefly, like, I don't know about you, I've always grown up in the church thinking that evangelism is really a hard, difficult, scary thing. No, it's just about sowing spiritual seeds. Go to work and ask someone if they're flirting with God and see what conversation happens this week. <laughs> do it, I do you. Um, <laughs> last question you could ask him. Um, this is as they're moving down. Oh, okay, they've moved beyond the existence piece. Uh, they've, they've sensed that they maybe they do know God, that they've, they've revealed that they're suppressing God. Maybe they're even coming to a recognition that the whole deal is that they've been flirting with him and that they don't, they don't want to commit. They still want to be the boss on their terms. This is the last question that you ask when someone has been through all of those different phases. This is the person who, you know, their heart is almost there. Have you seen people like that in your life? Good people, great people, people who are yearning, people who are searching. There are people like that here tonight that have been hanging out with us long enough and they're just that close and they, they can't come across the line. What's it going to take? I have these doubts. I have these questions. I'm not sure. I know I want to follow Jesus, but I don't know if I want to follow Jesus. I don't know if I've wrapped this whole thing up. And you sow, this, is, this is the seed you sow. And it's a tough seed to sow. It's so tough to sow with them. And here's why it's so tough. Because your intellect can argue a person into the truth of Christianity, but only your life can prove that it works. The degree, church, to which your life and my life is radically different from the world around it is the degree to which people will say Christianity is not only credible, true, but it works. Why else do we say that the quality of our community will be the secret to our mission? Only until people come in and see a church that is vibrant and dynamic and authentic and real and changing, only then will we see people move across that line. That's not enough to have the clever guy up the front. Talk about, look, I can argue that Christianity is true until the cows come home. Only you guys can prove that it works. That's why it's so hard to sow. But look, this is the difference between knowing of God and truly knowing God is a bit like this. It's a bit like this as we wrap up tonight. Have you ever been captured by the scent of a really good meal? What I mean by that, like I was in Darling Harbour one night and, and we're on our way home and we were heading past uh, that CBA building and and I got taken way off course by the scent of something that I thought was from heaven itself. I just found myself wandering away from Kristen. Uh, like, like, like a child, I was just transfixed. And I just followed my nose to this place. There's a, there's a Brazilian barbecue place. <laughs> if you're a vegetarian, cover your ears. I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to get the illustration. And, and I stood out, outside that place and, oh, look, this is seriously how heaven's going to be. Basically, they just bring out a, a stick of meat. And it's unlimited, all the meat that you can eat. And it just sits there and the, the waft of it was just incredible. And, and I stood there and, and, and you know when you get like that, you, you, your mouth starts to salivate, your tummy starts to rumble. Some of you are already thinking, I might have Brazilian, I might go to Darling Harbour tonight. And it begins to, what is that? It's a, it's a tummy rumbling. It's a, it's a tummy rumbling. It's just physiological. Um... Look, you could say to someone, I'm not trying to win an argument with you on here on whether God exists or not. People are trying to do that for thousands of years. But I'm just asking, have you felt it when 
When you've been in the midst of a beautiful relationship, have you felt it when you've seen the most perfect sunset? Have you felt it when a piece of music has pierced your heart? Have you felt it when you've looked at the stars? Have you felt it? And they go, what the heck are you talking about? And you say, have you felt it? Your, your tummy rumbling. The rumbling of the tummy of your soul. You see, I see it time and time again with people People who have, have, have lost uh, their job or people who have lost the promotion and they're angry and they're bitter and they're disappointed. Why is that? The tummy's rumbling. Uh, uh, the person who's yearning for the relationship that hasn't materialized yet and they look at all these things and they're crippled with the disappointment of that. What is that? The tummy's rumbling. That, that it is this great story of the Bible is that the reason that you feel these things is the reason that you may even be here tonight is that you've been drawn in by a scent of something that was meant for you and something and only one thing that can truly satisfy you. I don't know how to get someone across that line to say whether or not they're going to go and follow Jesus. In fact, I don't want to know. I don't want to know because that'll make this whole thing some paint-by-numbers pyramid selling scheme. Anyone who I've seen up the back there who's made a genuine and a real and a transformative decision for Jesus Christ, it hasn't been through wads of truth. It hasn't been through argument after argument after argument. It wasn't because we won does the God exist argument out over here it was because they have been sniffing it and they have been smelling it and they have stood on the outside for ages and they have finally come to the point where they said i finally i just want to eat i want to finally feel satisfied is that you tonight have have you wandered in here from the waft of the scent of something that you were made for is it an accident or as you trace it back, have you seen the way that God has been moving in your life to bring you to this point? As you come here tonight, look, if you're that person, if you don't, you're not following Jesus yet and you're just searching and you're seeking and you're hungry and your stomach's churning and, and you, the taste buds of your soul is starting to salivate and you can sense that you were built for something more, all I can say to you tonight is don't you go out and ask these questions. These questions were meant for you. Where do you sit tonight in these different areas of this spectrum? Think it through, process it through. On the other hand, when I talk to my brothers and sisters, the Christians, <laughs> you know what our biggest problem is? Um, well, we've smelled, we've walked in. Uh, we chew, but we don't swallow. <laughs> we taste, but we don't ingest. How many times do we say, guys, we don't need more information. We need revelation. We need to be filled. We need to be satisfied. If I look at any of the things that are going on in my life, those moments of uncertainty, those moments of doubt, those moments of anxiety, when I trace them back to the genesis of where they're coming from, it's purely this, I haven't eaten. I'm not full. And so for us, Christian, it means that it's, it's one thing to know the doctrine and the truth and all of that, but it's another thing to be satisfied. Do you reckon you could say these questions tonight? Not tonight, but this week. You reckon you could, you, could, you could ask some of these, the whole point, so we don't get obnoxious, but on the other hand, so we don't hide. Is we just want to keep the conversations open. Is it possible that there could be a God? Um, 
Is it possible that you already do know God? Is it possible that you're just flirting with him, that you think that you know him, but you don't really? Or maybe that deeper question, do you want to truly get to know him? That's a question we'll ask tonight in a couple of minutes. Let's pray.